You're listening to Trent Talk, your Halo by Halo guide to America's greatest treasure. Bad movies. That's right. We got the peanut gallery assembled yet again because it's time to discuss Trent Reznor's latest and greatest? No. no. Just, the, just the latest soundtrack work for Gone Girl. And I'm Shia Carey. I'm Claire Dickerson. And uh, with us here today. Jordan Scott. Hello. Hello. Thank um, you for having me back. Of course. You're, you're the guy who knows more about us than movies. I mean, once, <laughs> twice, three times a Fincher. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, I'm fine being brought back for all of those. That works for me. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, we got to do the Halo nonsense. What This it's came out in 2014. Yep. And it's, it's not a Halo. It's not a Null. It just is a thing that exists. It's some Trent Reznor content that we can use as an excuse to continue recording this show. And hang out with our pals around Of course! <laughs> we don't need an excuse for that. <laughs> Lies! Um, so yeah, should we just get into... I can go over a few of the credits just to get us loosened up here. Um, loosen up. So, once again, this was composed primarily by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross... Um, they heavily reviewed the source material, which is a, I guess, romantic thriller by mm, audience. Gillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn? Mm-hmm. Sounds right. Yeah, she did the novel and also the screenplay, the screenplay for the movie. Mm-hmm. And David Fincher directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the soundtrack was not available as a download, but made available as a stream via musing hosting site SoundCloud. My favorite credit is that Reese Witherspoon is a producer. Yes. Not of the soundtrack, but of the film. Of the film. Did you hear about the actress who got stabbed? Shut up. What was her name? Reese? Witherspoon. No, it was with a knife. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I you broke. I think I broke that face. Okay, um, broke that face with a smile, not a knife. Well, okay. that's yeah. Um, so, what we're listening to right now is a track called "The Way He Looks at Me," which Trent singled out as one of his favorite songs, one of his favorite pieces on the soundtrack album. Song because it, yeah. it it uses a really heavily processed. Uh, distortion on the guitar that makes it sound very kind of like organic and like like a heartbeat yeah. is what's going on there yeah which i think uh underscores some of the important themes of the film and let's see here uh it grossed 369 million dollars <laughs> nice um making it the highest grossing film by fincher which is hard to believe because he did Fight Club and White Boys Everywhere shat their pants over that movie. But maybe it was a cult. It's a cult I think, hit. Yeah. I think this also came out during a time when the, the book was very popular. Yeah, that's mm. true. And this came out like right in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Rosamond Pike, if that's how you say her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, she received nominations for an Academy Award, BAFDA Award, Golden, Glo- Golden Globe Award, Screen Actors Guild Award. Etc. Etc. And further nominations for the film were for Best Director, Golden Globe, etc. 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 Ben Affleck was also in this film. Yeah, and his dick. He was yes. Ben Affleck's dick <laughs> is visible for I think one frame, <laughs> which is all over Tumblr. Yeah. Oh, it sure is. Um, and he was playing the role of um, what's what's his character's name? Is it Nick Dunn? No, I think it's Here Man. Here Man. Not Gone Girl, but Here Man. Wow. Yeah. Mm, you yeah, oh, there's, there's more. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You're good. 
I'm ready. Should we dive into our impressions? Sure, yeah, just let's give a quick overview of like, I mean, so this is maybe the reverse of the way many other movie podcasts well, address let's, things. Let's, let's talk mm-hmm. about how we felt. And yes. And then we'll just do the thing that we do, which is top to bottom. You got like it. film, right? Yeah. I think that's how we've done the other two. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is not the type of film that I ordinarily enjoy very much. Um but I found myself enjoying it in spite of myself because it's like it's it's pulpy, you know. It's like it's a, it's a romantic drama that people really get into. There's blood and guts, mm-hmm. um, but primarily it's like a character-driven. Um, it's almost once again sort of like a a, a a spy drama in a way because it's these in two characters who are trying to like sort of assassinate one another's character. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's very cerebral. There's a lot of subplots. There's a lot of schemes. Um, but yeah, it's it's much easier to follow than I think Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was. I got a little really? bit lost. I got a little bit lost in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, but I I think I enjoyed that movie a bit more. Well, I think yeah. just because it was more exotic and exciting, and and I think Sweden the fe- isn't exotic. And I think like the the female lead <laughs> was more compelling. Yes. And yeah, I, I don't know. I'll get into it about like what um, me as an important male feminist ally has to say. Okay. But um, overall, I enjoyed it. I think the second act was very strong. Yes. Jordan, how did you feel about it? Uh, I, when it came out, I was actually really surprised at this movie. I didn't have any background with a novel. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a firm belief that if there's a novel, or if there is a novel and they're making a movie for it, I see the movie first. Because okay. if you do it the other way, many times you're just disappointed because you either don't like mm-hmm. the way they've made the film or you're upset at, at what they omitted or changed. So rather yeah. than have that experience, I tend to watch movies first and then read the novel after. Still haven't. But uh, <laughs> just the twist that comes in at uh, like an hour and six minutes into the movie yeah. knocked me on my butt. Yeah. The first like, time I saw that, that was very gratifying. It was incredible. Yeah. And to realize like this is what this movie is mm-hmm. and what it's trying to say and these are who these characters actually are and that the film does a really good job in making you dislike and hate some of the characters in the first half and then to realize that oh no it's just been playing with my expectations it's been playing with with my preconceived notions and and also like oh no one is a reliable narrator here. I was about <laughs> to use that that film study term yeah. yeah plays a lot with reliability of narration and yeah. And to to know that that's what the novel did very well, and that's why the book is is as beloved as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really enjoyed it the first time I saw it. Seeing it uh, last week uh, when you guys invited me mm-hmm. back here <laughs> to do this wonderful show. Uh, you know, I, there's some stuff I didn't really like just on a personal level, but it's still a very well-made movie. Yeah. Um, and is very good just like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo of uh, using the cinematography plus the soundtrack to elicit certain feelings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and the evolution of songs in the first half of the movie like in the in the credits yeah. uh, and then mirroring that song at the end of the movie but having a different section of it and having that music evolve uh, I think was awesome yeah it's really good um. Claire now I feel bad for calling it a bad movie on the top of the show. I, I mean, it's... It's a good movie. Yeah. Um, I was very surprised when I, I saw it in theater, uh, in theaters, in a theater, uh, with my best friend and her family, because that's how we always did things. Nice. And 
So I had the pleasure of sitting one person oh. away from her mother. Yes. And anytime there was any blood or penis, she went, oh! <laughs> you so forgot about fun. the giant come on me tits. Oh, yeah. Well, I, she's probably just went, <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. That'll be the pull quote that we used to, uh, to launch the show. Yes. <laughs> um, you forgot the giant come on me tits. Um, no. So as a movie, as a story, I enjoyed it very much. The way it's written in terms of, like, the characters' voices, I fucking hate it. Yeah. I hate her whole thing. You it hear seems, the author. You hear the author, exactly. Constantly. Oh, and yeah. It's just, like, the author... It felt to me like the author was another one of those, like, die-hard, like, Twilight fans mm. trying to now put, like, make... And maybe she did her thing first, but it just... It was very much in that, like, young adult voice was just the like, sassy ironic amazing fucking amy is oh, getting my. fucking married like i i hate it it here, just makes my blood boil here are a few things i remembered about the movie that i hate um, <laughs> so oh you run a bar named the bar says police investigator woman yeah i love it it's very meta police like, uh, no police fuck off. <laughs> right um and yeah. the other thing was um when they had their meet cute at the party which i mean that Honestly, the way they met, I didn't find very compelling or interesting. Mm -hmm. um, like the origins of their whole love story, like it was. I know it's supposed to work, but I'm yeah. I'm probably too cynical for like a very saccharine yeah. moment in a in a film. Um, so yeah, they do their meet cute at the party. Um, I keep wanting to say Brad Pitt, but it's fucking Ben Affleck. Um, Batman. Ben, uh, uh, Batfleck and um, Rosamund Pike meet at a party where they're both just too smart and too cool for everyone. Well, they're both writers. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Hang on. So this is Hang a movie on. Before that loves writers. Before yeah. before I even get into that. Yes, this is yeah. a movie. Uh, this is a movie based on a book that was. Um, so a writer wrote it, and it's about two writers, and one of the writers is a character in a book yeah. written by someone else. It's yeah. a very uh, writerly movie. Yeah. Which I think is a tendency for. Um, I mean, honestly, like. A lot of pop fiction is is very writerly in that way, like Stephen King's Misery. Like, there's it's all yeah, over. Yeah. Writers Stephen are Stephen King's everything. Yeah, yeah. But you write what you know, so in that way, it succeeded because they were almost believable as writers. Because yeah. they yeah. they always had little turns of phrase that sort of like were a little bit more flowery than maybe a normal person would say. Um, but again, the thing that irritated me about their meet cute was um, he's. He pointed out like three different men at the party and was like, "That guy talks a lot. That guy's a hipster. Um, you're drinking a cool beer." Uh, and he's like, "Well, should I just leave you to the party, or should I rescue you from all this awesomeness?" And awesomeness is like, I need a trigger warning before anyone fucking says awesomeness because I've fucking had it with that 2008 word that is still around. 2008. Um, yeah, and also like I worked for a small marketing firm where that was the kind of shit we had yeah. to deal with all yeah, the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Here's, here's an interesting point about that scene, though, is while some of those things are true from that scene, you also have to remember that any time we're looking at the past, it's her journal. Yeah. yeah. That is bullshit. Yeah. Right. We know that it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. So that is her being a writer writing all that. That's why mm -hmm. they talk the way they do. That's why when she mentions each of the guys or he's talking about each of the guys, if you look at her exes each of them actually have traits from each of those people because she's drawing from her own history to create those fake characters for this fake backstory which show this meet cute that they kind of had like they did go to the sugar truck they did meet at a party but it's way overblown she yeah. is writing the hell out of that scene 
Okay, also, nobody delivers sugar in an alley unless it fall on the ground. Excuse me. No, um, I worked for a pizzeria, and I can tell you that our back steps were fucking covered in flour. Really? Yeah. yeah. Good lord. Because New York. If, I mean, Good they just lord. tear open. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it showed like one of the bags had fallen on the ground. Yeah. So. Yeah. It just, it's. I mean, look. <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, betray the fact that i'm a, a rotund gentleman but i would love to be in a sugar store. oh my god me too <laughs> <laughs> like take me to new york right now let's get to an alleyway where let's a bakery is but it's not Thanks. gonna be at night yeah a delivery like that's not yeah, gonna no be way. at night well it's baker's hours you know they were probably out at a bar until like 2 a.m mm. and then they're like they're getting ready but to no go. delivery is gonna come that early no no okay um <laughs> was there another thing i was talking about before we got into this, right? It's a it's a movie about writers, and what's interesting about that is they um, one of the major themes of the film I feel is identity and sort of the performance of you know the the masks that we wear in in different situations and for other people because you know a relationship is sort of like this dance where like you reveal some aspects about yourself that are true. Mm-hmm. There's other things about yourself that you learn in the course of the relationship that it's like, oh, I am like that. Like, where does that come from? And then there's other things that you just kind of lie about. Yeah. Not in my relationships. No, of course not. <laughs> um, which I think is super interesting because like, yeah, she, um, the main, we can get into the main plot of the movie, which is um, a girl is gone. Oh, what? Wait, wait. A girl went. Wait, a girl went. Oh, yeah. Also, um, obviously don't listen to this show if you haven't seen the movie. Yeah, Spoilies. Watch, watch the movie. Watch the movie. Yeah, I mean, that it's way. Worth, yeah. It's worth watching, especially just for like shock value. Like, There's yeah. plenty of times in this movie where you're just going to be gobsmacked yeah. with what's happening on screen. I'll mm. mention the, the thing that shocked me the most when we get there. Yeah. Yeah, but the big reveal halfway through the film that we teased before, like, an hour was was an hour. Hu- it, it's the first one I saw it in theaters. It was huge, and it changed the whole way I thought about the movie. Uh, but yeah. watching it the second time when I knew it was coming, re- it took a lot away. Yeah, like it's it, 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 my enjoyment was so much less. It's one yeah. of those films that is way more enjoyable in the first viewing, no yes. matter yeah. what, just because of the way it's the freshness. Made. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. So the main plot hold is on, a girl hold on, is hold on, hold on, hold on. What are we listening to? I'm going to start at the beginning so that when we talk about the beginning, it's all nice and, and quiet and stuff. Okay, here is the soundtrack of Gone Girl. I think about crushing her lovely skull. Cracking, cracking it open. Cracking it open. Scooping out her delicious brains. Yeah, there's one, there's one line that <laughs> uses right, at the beginning about, like, uh, you know, what are you thinking what have we done to each other? Yeah, yeah. That re- that comes back and is mirrored at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. But uh, what have you, I become? You don't really know what that means, my dearest friend. Stop it. Um, Everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I- yeah, 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 yeah. Who's we? I guess this is a Nine Inch Nails podcast. Okay, please. Um. <laughs> you could have it. <laughs> Let's talk about the fucking movie. All right. We also saw Logan. We're not talking about All Logan. Right. All right. Christ. Maybe maybe because Ross do the No, Johnny, but they Johnny did Johnny Cash's Cash hurt is, in the trailer. It's yeah. not uh, the hurt. It's not hurt. It's a different Oh, they did hurt in the trailer? Yes. Oh god, I'm sorry. I don't watch trailers. Trailers are bad for you. I don't watch trailers. Trailers are bad for you. Well, cuz I don't watch TV and yeah. I don't go to movies. Yeah. 
Unless right. someone's like, check out this trailer. I'll watch it with the sound off for like 10 seconds, and yeah. then I'll keep scrolling down my After feet. we're done ruining Gone Girl, I do want to ruin Logan at the end of this, maybe. So just oh like God, a 10-minute ten, ten minute little quick Logan talk. Oh, God, fine. Let's, let's get to it. Because it's fresh. Get, yeah, let's, let's blast through Logan this. has shit to do, first of all. <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, Rosamund Pike disappears. Yep. Well, her name is Amy. Yes. She's allegedly amazing. She disappears on the day of their fifth anniversary. Um, Nick goes ho- or Nick goes out to the bar that he shares with his sister to talk about <clears throat> how much his twin sister, his twin sister, Jesus, Margo. to talk about <laughs> Margot. Go, go. To talk about just how miserable he is, kind of, but not really. And then goes home and she's missing, um, and things are strewn about. So he calls the police. Yes, and then my favorite character in the film shows up, which is like extremely canny and and human lady cop. Yeah, um, lady cop, is and great. and her less um, canny partner, yeah. um, who's a little less worldly. And yeah, they do a cursory investigation, and it's a very well staged scene where it's like clearly, um, a- Amy disappeared without planning to disappear because yeah. she was ironing a dress yeah and there's like this weird blood stain in the kitchen yeah and there's the tables knocked over a table is knocked over yep yep uh so there's tons of press amy's parents come back and, and they're quite, obviously very rich yes they built an empire based on a series of children's books about their daughter well yeah kind improved of improved upon the life of yeah. their daughter which yeah. yeah as after we get to the big reveal yeah, anyways. Uh-huh. So, uh, they conduct a search. Nothing comes up, obviously. Um, Nick is just being late to everything and very standoffish and kind of like he doesn't want to be there. There, was, there were many, many scenes of Ben Affleck running to places. Yeah. And, and like tuck, and tucking, his sh- tucking his shirt in and yeah. running to places. It was like, he's really good at that. Yeah. yeah. Very believable at running and tucking and his, his shirt in. his sister is always commenting, like, you look like shit. Right. Yeah, like... Which, in, yeah. in my mind, I was like, his wife is missing. Of course, it was like shit. Also, like, um, this is a movie. No one looks like shit. <laughs> yeah. None of them do. Um, but he handles you every situation. You look like movie shit. <laughs> everyone, everyone handles every situation poorly, basically. Mm. He's, he's always coming off the wrong way. Everyone's expecting him to act a certain way, but they don't. A lady wants yeah. to give him some of her chicken Frito pie. Yeah. Yeah, but the, but they they are tragedy groupies mm-hmm. and and make him look bad, and he's being lambasted on the on, on news. That's one of the chief satire satirical components of the film is just like how the public loves a tragedy. Yeah, and um, you know a story about a broken relationship and disappeared woman, and and yeah, they they love the blood and cuffs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because there's this obvious Nancy Grace surrogate who immediately seizes on the story and um, is. Doing like uh, obsessive levels of coverage yeah. of of um, Nick well, I Dunn, mean, rich white woman. Yeah, you know definitely. that's right. She's the correct color and age to go disappear, to disappear and become and a phenomenon. And, and then we find out that he's been having an affair with one of his students right. at the college he semi teaches at, mm-hmm. and it's just he's being a cliche bad husband and has to hide that because it's just going to make him look bad and. Mm-hmm. It's one thing after another, and and then they find you know blood stains in his house, yep. and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, so they find that um, she's right. been leaving clues for him too, which looks bad to the police. Right. Yeah. So on their anniversary, she leaves clues, and it's a little treasure hunt. So she she left. She was leaving clues, and the cops were kind of trying to follow along, and then Nick. 
did a terrible job of trying to like find clues without the police being notified. Mm-hmm. Um, she changes she changes the alarm on his house so that way the cops show yeah. up when he gets there. Yep. So he shows it's up to his bad. dad's house. The alarm goes off. He can't shut it off. That cop shows up and she's like, "Hey, what you doing?" Um, to go any further, I think we should probably just say like, "Amy isn't dead." Right. Amy's not dead. She was not killed by Nick nor anyone. Um. So then, kind of after Nick gets painted as this terrible person and maybe a sociopath, it's like five or six days after it when we switch perspectives. Yeah, it's like on the sixth day, and then it switches to her perspective, and she's just. We stop hearing because we get flashbacks mm-hmm. of stuff from her journal. Yeah, that we find out later are unreliable. Right, but then we start getting her actual perspective when it switches to her, mm-hmm. and it shows the morning of. It shows mm-hmm. everything she's done from her perspective. So right. we kind of start over on the same day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's um, changing her appearance, driving off to a campground. She gives herself the um, the grimace haircut. Mm-hmm. Which like <laughs> it's it, her hair looks like a big triangular chicken nugget. Yeah, <laughs> she's got a fanny pack full of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, she she. I wonder because I wonder if that was they kind of hearken a lot on how her parents had to take her money. Yeah, and a trust fund. She yeah. had a trust fund with like over a million dollars in it. And yeah, her parents. Uh, like the whole reason they're in Missouri is because uh, <clears throat> they're both well-off riders in New York. She had a trust fund. Um, Her parents had a bad stock market thing during the recession and had to take out the majority of the money in the trust fund. Mm -hmm. Uh, They moved to Missouri because they find out while they're both laid off um, that his his mother has stage four uh, breast cancer. Mm -hmm. They move back to take care of her. She she passes away Mm -hmm. and he's just kind of stuck there. Yeah. And uh, realizing they don't have the money or jobs to move back because he got the teaching position at, at at the school and she started doing her own stuff there that uh she kind of bought the house bought him the bar for mm-hmm. him and his sister with the last of her trust fund money mm-hmm. so now they're kind of stuck in yeah. this missouri town that she hates but you're I wonder, listening like, to movies if, on tape i wonder if that money isn't the trust fund money yeah. because where did she get all that fucking money well it's the last of it like the house is paid off yeah the bar is paid off they have these side jobs at the colleges, at the college and stuff, mm-hmm. and but the bar is losing money. Check this so, out. Like they don't have any money left. Shia has developed an idea. Two ideas. Idea oh idea one is the only person we ever hear about her parents being broke. The only person who ever tells us that their their whole situation is in you know dire financial straits is from her. Is from mm-hmm. Amy, who is a pathological liar. Right. Um, so it could be that she was already planning her escape. Um, and was squirreling away money that's so that she wondering. could. Yeah. Well, I mean, she doesn't have unlimited money. Like yeah. she, she has that money in the fanny pack, but that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she set that aside for a rainy day. Like as should've, we find out done, about her, should have gone on Bitcoin. I as, mean, that's all I'm saying. As a, the more we find about her, out her as a as a character, like she would have had the money squirreled away anyway. Yeah. She was preparing yeah, to I cut guess. her losses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I was wondering if. Um, so okay. Uh, again, we've already said Amy isn't dead. She orchestrated her own disappearance. Um, and as it becomes a media sensation, like maybe she eventually got the idea that like this could kind of like save us. I mean, not that she, I don't know. Cause she, well, she, don't jump ahead too far. Okay, I'm yeah, sorry. That's, that's actually pretty far. Yeah, yeah. Okay, don't jump ahead my bad. Too far. Yeah, because I mean, she moves around a bit and then finds this little hotel to stay at long term. Mm-hmm. And she writes on a calendar, like plans it all out of like, I'm going to dump the car on this day. I'm going to do everything. On the, like, she has everything planned Including, out. like, she keeps planning on killing herself. Yeah, on specific days. I think it's like if 
if it doesn't go according to plan, if they find out that yeah. whatever. Because she stacked the evidence against him. Yeah. But just in case he gets out of it, yeah. she's going to kill herself and leave a clue of where she killed herself. So that way there'll be a body and he'll die. And this is all as punishment because she spent her whole life like pretending to be this cool girl for him yeah. and changing herself for him. And then he finds out or she finds out that he's cheating on her. Yeah. And this is this big betrayal because she feels like she's given so much up for him mm-hmm. and for him to just turn around and throw if what she's going to feel like, throw it all away. Yeah. And you know, he, she was going to ruin his life right. again, just taking women's emotional labor for granted. Am I right, Claire? <laughs> Male feminist. Yeah, but but it doesn't work out for her because right. she gets to the hotel, she meets some people, and they end up stealing the money from her. Right, yeah. And in her desperation, she contacts a high school fling she had, a guy mm-hmm. who's obsessed with her. And, so, uh, why is he so obsessed with her? Oh, oh, oh. Lying that he's texting her. Sorry, no, anyway. We had a Mariah, mo- Mariah yeah. moment. Um, let's not get there yet, though. Whoa. Let's hold on. So. Amy is alive and well. Um, during so during another press conference, um, there is this whole thing where they leak that Amy was pregnant, which Nick didn't know about, and Casey Wilson, her parents didn't, who know is about. not Casey Anthony. Oh um, my god! Shia thought that Casey Wilson's name was Casey. I was like, Anthony. oh my god, it's Casey Anthony, and Claire like, looked at me like, you mean the child murderer? <laughs> well, alleged not uh, child uh, murderer, oops. but that's another. Just another Casey. Come on, chill. Just another Casey. But so Casey Wilson plays this. Where's her baby? Oh my god, <laughs> Casey. This is very loud in my ears. I'm sorry. Casey Wilson plays this really like dumbass woman. Who's just like, you know, she's just a baby factory. She likes to gossip. She's your typical Midwestern mom. Uh, yeah. The dumb and neighbor. The Missouri. Yeah. Stupid the heart yeah, of the Midwest. Just, all, yeah. just like, give me your business. That's not a Midwest accent at all. And um, Missouri. I know, but the accent I did. I, no, I got you. Yeah. Have you been to Missouri? Is it in the Midwest? Oh, Jesus. And so, yes, it's in the Midwest. Um, it's next to Kansas. I thought... Wait, oh, I was thinking of Mississippi. God damn it. Wow. I'm yeah, sorry. Well, it's it's outside of California, okay? They all have like weird southern accents that people in Missouri oh, don't I'm, have. I'm I from, thought it was Missouri. I'm from Oklahoma. Yeah. And I have family in Missouri. That's okay. It's it's Missouri. I, I know how it is. Yeah. I was actually um, with my friend's family. He lives in Kansas. Or his family lives in Kansas. And his dad kept saying, Missouri, Missouri. Yeah, Missouri. And then he like looked at my friend and he's like, I know that you kids like to call it Missouri. And I was like, well, I prefer to call it Missouri, but that's just me. Nobody cared. Aww. Nobody cared. Oh, that's I know. a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. So. If you live there, you know. Casey, Casey Wilson storms the press conference. Yeah, Casey Wilson's character storms the press conference. Which and she's just like, initially was going. <laughs> There's constantly like this, it almost has like this guitar hero like aspect to it where like you're just, you know, as soon as um, Ben Affleck gets behind a microphone, you're just like, don't fuck this up, don't fuck this up, don't oh, fuck this gonna, up. Gonna fuck yeah. And then uh, then he's, he was, he was doing pretty good. He was, he was right. going to pass that level without using star power. Um, and, and then Casey Wilson shows always up. Always use star power. But the, the more, the more he finds out of stuff he didn't know like there's this best friend she supposedly has and she's pregnant and he's like that couldn't be true because I've talked to this woman and there's no way she would get pregnant and then and then like right before we get the turn where we find out she's alive sorry to jump back a little bit Mm -hmm. that's when he finds everything in the woodshed yeah and he's like 
what the fuck? Oh, so the police officers are they're like... They're asking him, like, why? Yeah. there's all these credit card bills. Yeah, they're like, why do you have a credit card? Like, the, the cop goes through and she's like, did you see a guitar? And he's like, you know, young cop's like, no. And she's like, that TV's not 62 inches. And he's like, no. And so she's like trying to figure out where, where all this, this credit money? card debt is yeah. coming from. And it's kind of like, oh, maybe he's buying things for somebody else. So then he discovers that there's all these items in the woodshed outside of his sister's house. And that's a big reveal. And he he realizes at that point, he's being screwed. Like also, the cops... So one of Amy's whole things was uh, Clue 3 was at her dad's... Or his dad's house, which he forgot the code to, like mm-hmm. in the movie. And couldn't go back to. So then he picks up the clue, but then the cops are like, there's something in this house. We got to figure it out. So they go searching through the house and they find Amy's diary that's almost burnt like in the in this little furnace or whatever in the basement Mm -hmm. and they sort of start seeing this whole thing where it's Amy's story which like the diary ends at Nick is Nick could literally kill me or whatever I could literally die right now I could literally die this man will kill me and he when when they read that line to him he goes that's awfully convenient right yeah (laughs) And the whole time, female cop is just kind of like, no, something's not adding up here. And the whole time, male cop is like, he killed her, he killed her, he killed her. But yeah, that's he killed her. What I like, though, and, and I want to make this point before we move on and forget about it, is like when they originally bring Nick in for questioning, um, lady cop asks him like, oh, so you don't know her best friend. You know, you don't know what she does all day. You don't know her blood type. You don't type. know her blood type. Are you sure? And then, yeah, they chime in. Are you, are you sure you, you're married to her? Mm-hmm. Um but then he leaves the room, and her partner turns to her and asks, like, should I know my wife's blood type? And she's like, no, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Which is funny, because, and that's that's the moment that makes her my favorite character in the film, because, like, she's... Um, so every other, every other character is inhabiting these different roles, where it's like, you know, you're this person with your family, you're this person with your, your friends or your lover, you're this person with the press, mm-hmm. you know, you're this person. Um, and she basically... Um, she acknowledges that and acknowledges the bullshittiness of like the nature of her position where like she's a detective. She has to play on people's trust because it's like, I mean, you have to get people to like and trust you for them to give up the information that's going to crack the case, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so but yeah, she freely acknowledges that and it's like, you know, it's, she knows what she is and that level of self acceptance I feel like is absent in pretty much any other character. Yeah, I agree. She's I a great character. She Maybe the great. best character in the movie. And I like that it's a strong female and not yeah, the other way around. Because what the fuck? Uh, let's go in. Do you want to go into the rest of Amy's story? Well, hold on. So okay. in the in in the beginning, because we're jumping around a lot, and I want to like kind of try to keep this together. In the beginning, when we're at the first party before the search party goes out, like there's this whole like meet and greet or whatever you want to call it, where all these volunteers are coming to sign up to find her, basically. Mm-hmm. Grief um, orgy. Yeah, grief orgy. Uh, I'm sure anybody who's actually participated in one of those is going to love that term. (laughs) Um, uh, Wow, brain fart. I think her parents mention two ex-boyfriends, one who was obsessed with her and one who assaulted her in college. And and one of those is actually Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, so then... But they don't know that. One of them turns up and he signs up for a thing. We see a picture of him. We know it's Neil Patrick Harris. We see him in the gogs in his little shade, his little sunnies. Mm-hmm. And he signs up and then, like, skirts out. Um, so we see him briefly. Movie goes on. Um, I want to say first what happens 
is we Nick flies to New York and tracks down her ex-boyfriend Tommy who apparent who allegedly raped her. This is after he gets Luke Perry as his lawyer. Yep. And he's like, go talk to him, see what happened. Because yeah. you don't think she's dead, and this guy's going to know stuff about her that you don't know. Yeah. Tyler Perry is the other greatest oh, character in the film. Oh, yeah. I said Luke Perry. Luke Perry. I thought that maybe that was his name, and I couldn't remember. Um, uh, in the movie, I mean. Hang on. Oh, Tanner, Tanner Bolt. Tanner Bolt, Tanner Bolt um, which uh, is perfect. Uh, but the thing that he immediately brings up to Nick when Nick is, you know, pouring his heart out about what's going on in his life and this whole story that's that he feels like he's being played and he knows that Amy's alive and she set this up because that's who she is. Yeah. Um, Tanner makes an extremely good point, which is like, you know, she's not telling her story. She's telling the perfect story. Right. So it's like you need to sort of start poking holes in this and realizing that, like, wait, yeah, this is this doesn't add up. This is a little too on the nose. And we should also mention that. So Tanner Bull is a celebrity story or celebrity lawyer. Like, he's one of the best known lawyers. He defends, like, people like Nick on the regular. He has a, what was it, like, $100,000 retainer. Yeah. So Nick flies to New York, talks to him tracks down Amy's ex-boyfriend Tommy. Yeah, Tommy. Who allegedly raped her. They sit down and have a beer and Tommy was just like, no, like, we were hanging out. Like, we were dating for a while. It was whatever. And then we were hanging out one night. and she, He tried like, to break it off with her. Yeah. And she, like, brought my favorite album and some beer or whatever it was. And then, like, we had the consensual sex. And then I woke up the next morning and she had made it look like I raped her. Um, so, and blah, 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 that whole thing. Ligature marks, uh, bodily fluids. Right, right. Basically, it was a perfectly staged rape. Rape. Um, so then Nick goes to Desi's house. Desi is Neil Patrick Harris's character and kind of tries to talk to him. And Desi's just like, nah, fuck you and ghosts him. Um, so let's see. Da, 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 da. And then this is about the time in the movie where um, Amy, like, it's revealed that she has a bunch of money. And then her neighbor, who was, like, at first kind of her friend, like, shows up with her gross boyfriend and they steal her money. Yeah. So then she leaves and she's desperate and she, like, calls up Desi and then meets up with him at a casino. Real must- quick. Um, those two characters that rob her um, are also, again, it, it, it's another beat in that ongoing theme of, like, who you are uh-huh. and how you represent yourself to different people. And it's like, there are another couple of people where it's like, we're going to take your money, but there's a lot of people out there who are worse than we are. It's yeah. like, yeah. We, we acknowledge that we are assholes and that we played you, but... You know, the, the, they pick out little details where, like, she says she's from New Orleans but knows jack shit about New Orleans. Right. She's yeah. just doing a fun accent because she got a little too carried away. Right. And we all know how that is. Yeah. Um, so they see that she's full of shit. And so it's like, all right, we're going to take your shit. We're not good people. You're in denial about being a bad person. Yeah. So catch you later. Yeah, way, pers- way worse people than us. You know, you could end up way worse than just losing your money. Mm-hmm. So be thankful that we're the people who took advantage of you. And and when she meets up with Desi at the casino, we find out that she's been stringing him along ever since high school. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's just been keeping that, with keeping that one in the bank. Yeah, yeah, on the back burner. Because he's um, fabulously wealthy. Super wealthy. And... We don't know why, and because it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So she meets up with him. He takes her to his lake house that has so many goodies, including surveillance cameras everywhere. Yeah. 
Oh, um, uh, oh, and Netflix, and which Netflix. he's very which, proud of, which is yeah. which is hilarious to me. Like, here's this multi-billionaire, and he's like showing off his lake house. Like, check this shit out. I was like, oh yeah, check this, this shit out. This is fifteen dollars a month, right there, right <laughs> there, baby. On the TV, yeah. And you can use this iPad that I have that makes lots of iPad sounds when yeah. I touch it. Hey, babe, you hungry? I'm gonna order a pizza. Whoa. A pizza. Are you going to order? Cheese pizza. Stop it. That's a different podcast. Copyright. Copyright infringement. Um, so. And then he also says Roku. Roku is not a service, right? It's just a box. It's a box. Yeah, yeah. it's not a service. I have no idea. And then he says, the internet. The like, internet. Oh, oh, tight. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, internet. Of Finally. Course. He goes, internet. Of course. Uh-huh. Um, so she goes to stay with him. Uh, let's uh, so see. we only get a few moments to get to really understand his character. Uh-huh. Um, well, but yeah, we, we find out that he's just as controlling as she is. Yeah, and she instantly is like, "Oh shit!" Because that's the thing. Like she um, earlier on when she's escaping, in so it's it's a great little scene where she's driving away in this like strange little car with like mm-hmm. a a little like uh, oasis scene on the back windshield. The great stage setting, amazing work by the prop department there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she's driving by these other women on the road, talking about like these other I- these other identities she's assumed. You know, like before she was a cool girl, she was like a rocker girl, and before she was a rocker girl, she was a, a mall girl. Then um, it's like these personas. Sorry, no, there was there was a loud thing that happened, which is why I suddenly got distracted, well, like outside, like yeah. like a dog. Um, outside where the listeners can't hear, so let's stand. So yeah, when she was with um, Neil Patrick Harris's character Desi, mm-hmm. the um, the rich brat boy. Uh-huh. Um, he uh, sort of uh, she transposed a lot of aspects of his identity onto herself where like she became extremely well well read and literate and sophisticated and sort of like above kinky sex yeah she kind of changed herself again yeah um, mm-hmm. but you could tell that she was doing it just to keep him happy and that it was just another way for her to satiate him while she was using him yeah. you know yeah. I was talking about, like, I assumed in the past in their relationship, that was kind of the game she was playing. We're Absolutely. like, oh, I'm also a yeah. fabulously wealthy in socialite. Yeah, she's, it's pretty clear that she's done that. Too. It's, mm-hmm. And it's a game. It's it's always a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is, like, the biggest game she's ever played because it's, like, it's tying in all these other different people in her life. And it's it sort of gets out of her control. Like, the, the game that she's playing eventually, like, becomes bigger than what she can handle. Yeah, and it's it's clear because they'll be like watching TV, and he's like made a really nice dessert for her and everything, and like wine, and but she is far more obsessed watching news reports about Nick right. to even care about him or what he wants, and he's kind of perturbed because she'll she finish she's so into it she's eating her dessert really fast and then puts it down and picks up his mm-hmm. and starts eating it, and you could just see the look on his face like what the. Well, no, 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 her, no! Hang on, no! He I, wants her to be the thin, hot, exactly. Yeah, but, but she no. does before. that, and then and then kind of switches over. Yeah. And, so and because she has him under her thumb at that point. Let's well, I think, get there. I think let's it's a little. There. I think okay. I, I do. I, it's funny that you mentioned her eating the crème brûlée very fast. Crème brûlée. Is it crème brûlée or crème brûlée? I think it's crème brûlée. It's crème brûlée. Um, sure. The creams of brulee. It's that it's that little subtle thing that reminds you that Neil Patrick Harris is a very good actor. Is like um, it was probably wasn't in the script or anything. It's just like you know he's they're watching TV. There's news stories and she's wolf. She's just munching down right. this uh, the brulee during a pivotal. Interview. And he and he just like he, she picks up the second bowl, starts munching it, and he just gives her this look that like 
you know, he like he doesn't want her to know that he's looking at her, but he's doing. He's just having that thought he has that because it's because he's right? yeah he's like he's a, he's a douchebag, and he mentioned to her like oh just you know let's let's get you drinking wheatgrass and you can work out and watch the ocean and just be fucking sexy and thin yeah. the way I want you to be. Because like when she's leaving, you know, she's she's when she's assuming her identity, she's like chugging coke, she's eating Kit Kats, like she's gaining weight to like not look the same. So when she shows up to his house, she's got this tiny little stomach that she magically loses overnight. But well, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's three weeks. I thought it was... No, but when she first shows up, it's like day six or seven. Uh-huh. And then when it shows her at that scene where she her hair is perfect oh, and yeah. she's in a nightgown, yeah. it's three weeks after that. Oh, okay. I wasn't even paying attention to that. It was... Well, I mean, it's like yeah, at the yeah. bottom of the screen for I mean, a I was watching it, but I, I get to that point in the movie and I'm like, Jesus Christ, can it just happen? This um, movie is two and a half hours long. It is. Yeah, because um, that's when he does his interview is, is after that. So, Nick gets to the... So, basically, Nick's uh, celebrity lawyer is like you have to appear on this woman's tv show and she's kind of what is that character from parks and rec who has the tv the talk show that everybody goes on to and she like eats oh, you alive hang on. into the mic oh yeah i know um, what you're talking about i don't know the name i can't think of what it is but it's like uh, tom always flows with her it's anyway it's it's like her but serious Yep. So basically, um, it'll be national coverage. Na- He'll like, finally get to set some type of narrative about. Oh, him. oh, oh! Because oh yeah. So basically, the lawyer is like, you have to go on TV and you have to say that you cheated on your wife. Because this is after it comes out. Well, after it was the supposed vigil. to be. It was. It was supposed to be before. Yeah. Um, it was after at the vigil when they're like, oh, she's pregnant. And then Nick runs away and everybody's like, what the fuck? So then Nick is like, also, I was cheating on her, which Margo finds out about because Nick fucks her on Margo's fucking couch. He, he's yeah. so fucking stupid. Yeah. And, and then, then but, but then the girl, Joan Palamezzo, the girl shows up at a press conference. Yeah. And totally outs him. Well, mm. it's it's. Right, it's moments before he's going to go on this woman's TV show to say, by the way, I was cheating on you and I'm sorry. Or I was cheating on her. I'm, you know, I'm human, blah, 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 to like win people's hearts back, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, she calls an emergency press conference. The girlfriend is like, I was his girlfriend and blah. So then there's this big moment where it's like, oh, now you can't do the TV show. And Nick's like, I'm going to do the TV show. And he nails it. Right. And that's, I think, the, a pivotal moment for his character where he realizes that like, he has some agency and he's learned sort of how to play this game from Amy, you know, maybe subconsciously, but especially like now that he's like sort of engaged in this like bizarre, like all consuming battle of wits with her. Mm -hmm. Um, Like he wears a tie that she bought him that he hates and he wears a watch that she bought him that he hates. And like, and she, he speaks, he speaks in code on TV. Yeah. It's like a statement to her through this interview. Yeah. And that's what, yeah. That's what transfixed her. That's when she's eating the creme brulee. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why Neil Patrick Harris is so upset is because he's trying to make her, like, have a new life with him. Yeah. And she's so obsessed watching this show. It's Cause it upsetting starts, him. It starts with, like, the interview, and she's like, I bought him that tie. I got him that watch. And then she just becomes fixated. And, you know, he speaks in code to her. She's all into it, like, oh, maybe he does want me back. He can pretend the way I want him to. Yeah. So then my favorite scene of the whole movie, she's hot, smoking hot, and she's just like, all right, Desi, it's time to bone down. Oh, but before this, mm-hmm. she uses his cameras against oh, him yeah, yeah. by, like, tying something on her leg and using well, wine. Well, she says, like, it's time to bone down. Look at how fucking hot I am. I cut my hair. I lost my weight. 
And he's like, okay, I gotta go, but I'll be back. And as soon as he leaves, she, like, puts a, a rope around her ankle and she puts wine on her dress to make it look, or her nightgown to make it look like he, blood. He messes up her, his, like, outfit when yeah. he leaves the house. Oh, yeah, to yeah. To make him look all messed Disheveled, up. Disheveled, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so the security cameras catch him leaving the house looking all, uh, all Disheveled, like Disheveled, yeah. yeah. I got distracted by Oliver doing a cute thing. Oh, he was thing. super cute. He's so cute. And then and then she like runs and does this big act out for the for the one of the security cameras where she's like up against the window just like screaming and like lo- noticing the fake blood on her nightgown and like screaming and she's just horrified and in pain for the camera making evidence. Yeah. So then he returns. Desi does. Desi returns. And she's like, all right, we're going to fuck. And then we finally get to see this butt of hers that they all talk about. And it's a fine butt, but, like, come on. It's just a butt. It's Yeah, it's where her legs come together. Like, they're always obsessed with, like, butts. But in Hollywood, a butt is just, like, two little cheeks with a giant thigh gap. And I'm like, ladies, if that's how you look, great. That's wonderful. But Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was like, that's a body. Yeah, it's a body. That's a body. Like, wow, we were obsessing over her. She's got an ass like a 20-year-old stripper. Who the fuck says that? Anyway... Um, I mean, I, I feel why. like that's that that's... Diff- I just... Maybe it's not even, like, the way her butt looks. It, I was just so bothered by that description that when I saw it, I was like, it's a butt! It's a fucking butt! Well, see, for me, I'm just like, well, this is a, a female author who was like, yeah. I'm gonna write a shitty dude character. What would he say? Right, that's and true. Like, that's, I'm like, that's what an author that's would say. That's what a shitty dude character would say, I guess. Um, so, they start boning down... And while he is on top of her, she takes a box cutter and cuts his throat. And that was the moment that just like, I was just like, whoa. Like, I think in theaters, I was just like, whoa. Because it was just like. It comes out of nowhere. Comes out of nowhere. Because you think, you know that she's she's faked a rape scene before. Yeah. So, you know, she's saying harder and getting him all into it. And you're like, oh, this is what this is leading to. Yeah. And then she takes out the box cutter. And she fucking. Cuts, cuts his, his throat, throat and, and then like flips him over everywhere yeah, on top of her yeah blood's just spraying everywhere and then he she flips him over gets off of him you very briefly see his flaccid wiener and we had to watch that scene three times because shia just couldn't see the wiener i couldn't see the wiener i it's you yeah. see the wiener see for me i takes her it didn't I count keep going on with my yeah. life <laughs> jordan's like okay. fuck the wiener i have like, not like that i have uh three points i want to make about the scene okay <laughs> so, first one is a quote from Trent Reznor. Um, so, this is a Rolling Stone interview about the haunting sound of Gone Girl. Um, and they specifically ask, how did you enjoy scoring the quote-unquote love scene between Neil Patrick Harris and Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl? Mm-hmm. Laughs. It really wasn't that difficult. I was wondering how far to take it. It's a good one where, how over the top can this music go? How experimental do you want to get? We did several variations, but I led with the one in the movie. What song is it? Love scene. There's not a strange song. activities. I mean, does it say? It doesn't say. No. Okay, well um, I don't think we even listened past that one because it it was it framed it just right, and that's what we stuck with. But we knew that that was an important part that needed to cross a line. It was one of those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and my second point about that is. So she's staging this this rape. I mean, not rape. She's staging like a, a hostage like. Like a sex slavery situation, yeah, um, which is madness. Um, but to help her case and to give uh, more credibility to the forensics she's she's building, she doesn't just kill him; she kills him after he comes. 
Like once there's once there is uh, se- yeah, yeah, yeah once yeah. there is semen deposited, she's like, all right, you're done. Whack. Um, yeah. Which I like because it is precisely the behavior of a female praying mantis. Yeah. That's point number three. And also, it explains why there's so much blood. I rest my case. Because his, you know. The, yeah. The, yeah. Wait, the what now? So much blood. Because he's like right flowing. in the throes of an orgasm. So his blood's pumping. And then he slits, she slits his throat and just. I didn't think, of, I didn't think about that part. Because yeah. otherwise, why would there be that much blood? Yeah. It was, I mean, also, I feel like the human neck. Well, maybe not his. But I don't know. It, se- it seems yeah, like it would put up it would, right it would it would put up a little more resistance. That was a boss cutter. Um, so then she returns home. She just like pulls up. She steals. Yeah, his she, car. she. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just like crashes it into his driveway. Yeah, into her driveway. With with oh yeah, their driveway. And, oh yeah, because she owns everything. I forgot about that <laughs> snippet of like she owns everything. Yeah. Um. And, like, drives right past all of the news tr- uh, vans. Yeah. And Nick Dunn is like, why is there just such a commotion outside? And everyone's like, is that Amy? And she's just covered in covered blood. Covered in fucking blood. So she, like, does this weird... She just, like, hobbles out. Like, she just survived this terrible thing. And she, like, falls into his arms. And he just, like, leans in. And he's like, you fucking bitch <laughs> and then they, well, have, he, yeah. they hold first and that's when yeah. he says it and then she just like does this fake faint yeah thing so and i think yeah she Amy's did home. she did that because she realized she played the game too far and the only way that she would remain in control of this narrative she created is to like immediately bring it to a close it's yeah. like whoops i wrote myself into a corner this is going to be the only way out um, because, like, I don't think she wants to come back to Nick necessarily. No. Um, she she only does when she watches that interview. Right. When oh. she sees him be the perfect actor, the way she feels like she has her entire life. Yeah. When she finally sees him step up and kind of reach her level of be like, this is exactly what I want him to be, and he's right. doing it for me. Right. That's what I want. I don't want Desi. Desi's right. just the side thing that I'm just using right now. Right. Like, Nick can actually be what I want him to be? Well, shit. So, she's uh, she's in the hospital, and the FBI's there with... Um, with Boney. Boney. Yeah. Boney is the, the female detective. Her detective? last name is Vare. Boney Vare. <laughs> Shut up. Sorry. Rhonda Boney. Rhonda Boney. And so, they're there. It's all, it's all men except for her. And... All the men are asking her all these questions about her survival, and you know they're not really questions. They're just like they're just like little like how was it? How did you feel? What was that like? And then Boney was just kind of like, if you were tied up the whole time, where'd you get a box cutter from? Like things like that, and she would be like, let me just finish my story. And and Nick Nick Dunn also says that to the guy cop outside, and the guy cop's like. Why aren't you just happy she's back? What's right. wrong with you? Exactly. Yeah, that's a, at the end. Like that's probably one of the biggest satirical point beats of the film is like at, at the end everyone is just sort of hungry for like an easy resolution. Right. Like we've we've gotten tired of the story. Like all the juicy parts are done. We don't need to have more complexity. We just need to have everything tied up in a package. Right. And, and Rhonda uh, Boney gets saddled with the blame of, of botching the investigation yeah. and going after Nick Dunn when clearly she wasn't dead, yeah. even though all the evidence pointed that way. Exactly. And Boney knows this. Boney yeah. knows, like, no, the evidence was perfect. Like, yeah. everything was leading this way. It makes no sense that she showed up out of nowhere. Exactly. So she knows that she shouldn't 
like none of this should be happening. So she doesn't trust anything. Yeah. That Amy is saying. Yeah, and there's little metaphorical notes in there, like um, her gift, or sorry, Amy's gift to Nick on their fifth anniversary was uh, so fifth anniversary wood. It's puppets. It's two wood puppets. puppets yeah. um, Punch and Judy, who I guess is like an old vaudeville act where like this dude clubs a woman to death, and yeah. I guess that was when she's pregnant. High entertainment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but then the, also it's a little wink, like, uh, you're my fucking puppet. Right. Yeah. Um, and That's also... He knows that, that she's still alive. He finds that puppet. Yeah. And I don't... Some part of the puppet, I so guess... So one of... So there's two wooden clubs, and the puppets punch each other, basically. They okay. They club at each other. Right. One of the clubs was gone. I think the only club that was there was the one in the husband's hand. Something like that. Or the male hand. And then the other one was gone. And and she had used that at the very beginning of the movie. We didn't yeah. know what it was at the time. So we didn't yeah. even know about the puppets. But when she uh, bled herself to make the crime scene, oh, yeah. she, she dipped the club in yeah. it and then put it in his office in the fireplace yeah. and just lit it on fire for a little bit. The same yeah. way she did her journal. Right. Oh, yeah. We should probably say that she also bled herself and put blood all over the kitchen and then cleaned yeah. it up. That ends up being um, one of Boney's, uh, her sticking point, which is like, so how did Desi get his hands on a puppet club when you just, when it was in the woodshed? Right. How would he know it was there? Right. Yeah, yeah. And it makes no And then she just has this moment where it's like, yes, I was holding it. He took it from me. Right. <laughs> um, so then... They get home. Nick and Amy get home, and he's asking her all these questions, and she's like, get in the shower. So then they get in the shower, and you see his dick through the shower. Because she door. she needs to make sure he's not wearing a wire if yeah. she's going to explain why she did so anything. So in the shower, she's just like, yeah, this is what happened. So now you're stuck with me, and let's just do this thing. And he's just like, what the fuck? And it's almost a happy reunion. Not, I mean, not a happy. It's like a, it's like a tragic anti-hero reunion. Yeah. But then it's like the game isn't over. Is the thing is like um, she's basically at a point where he uh, Nick could accuse her and they could make this whole thing public and he could drag her down, mm -hmm. but he does not capitalize on that moment because um, he'll be hated again. And yeah. he lived for like what three weeks with the entire yeah. country hating him. Yeah, and he's like, I don't want to go through that again. Yeah. But then, so, like, is that a worse choice than, like, letting her sort of regroup and then take over your life completely? Mm -hmm. um, he goes through the motions for her. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, she inseminates herself with some... Oh, yeah. Bat, bat juice. No. Wait, what? Yeah, she... They go over it in the beginning of the movie that she has him donate to a sperm bank. And then she... Oh, and then yeah. she picks up the sample yeah, and inseminates herself. Right. And then, ha, it's your baby. Too bad. Even though she he's like... Pregnant. He's like... Uh, so, he literally got sperm jacked. Yeesh. How anti-feminist is that? Oh, yeah. I Are guess... you aware of sperm jacking? I, I, yeah, I, yeah. Okay. I guess, too, we kind of skipped over how the point of Casey Wilson's character, too, was to build up this narrative of, like, her best friend. Like, this woman who's going to come forward and say, I'm her best friend. I knew she was pregnant. I knew all this stuff about her. And then Amy literally, like, stole Casey Wilson's pregnant pee. Right. Yeah. Looked it up like, on the internet. make herself... She was watching a YouTube video on yeah, how to do it. to, like, make herself, like, legally pregnant, according to her. Yeah, have it, have it on record so, in her medical records. She went that far. Um, I guess, yeah, if you drain the water from your toilet and then it the pregnant flush. one pees in it, you can't flush it. Like, there you go, ladies. Go pretend to be pregnant, I guess. So then after all of this happens, Nick sits down with Boney and the boy cop, who I guess his last name, Bolt. And his sister Margot, and he tells no, all Tanner of them. No, Tanner Bolt. That. Yeah, it's Tanner Bolt. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. at the Detective. airport. Elvis yeah. is leaving and Missouri. Margo. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep. I was just thinking about... I don't know why. Anyway. He sits down with all of them, tells them the story, and they're like, well, we have no way to prove any of this, so, like, I guess... Go ahead and live your life. Yeah, the detective is taken off the case and told yeah. by the FBI, we'll handle it, and then they close it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Tyler Perry is like, hey, man, like, there's nothing I can do either. Good luck with your life. Yeah, and that's when we learned that, like... Like, Nick is sleeping in the guest room, basically, and he was planning on leaving her, and then she's like, oh, I'm pregnant, by the way. This is how it happened. Um, And he's always wanted a family. Like, mm -hmm. that's when we get to the point where the whole reason, besides the fact of that she tore him down at every opportunity and used anniversaries to actually make him feel bad about his life, like, Mm -hmm. we find that out over the course of the movie, Mm -hmm. these scavenger hunts started out as being a fun thing but ended up being a way for her to reinforce how disappointed she was in him yeah that the reason why he was a shitty guy and and cheated on her was because he was he wanted to build a life with someone else he knew that she didn't want to have kids and that you know they were very unhappy and they were sniping at each other all the time Mm -hmm. so he couldn't start a family with this person and then at the very end she's like hey this is the perfect time let's start a family and he's like what I hate you like Mm -hmm. no this is not gonna work yeah um. Right. Um. So I don't know. I guess I, I want to talk a little bit more about how sort of anti-feminist the main character is. Because, right. like, I mean, she first she's played as like an evil, manipulative bitch. Then she's played as like a a um. How to put it? An unworldly. You know, like she's her. She has no street smarts. Right. So she's played as like a, you know a, a bratty, incompetent bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's played as like a, a helpless, overpowered bitch. And I'm sorry to keep using that word. Right. Um, that's not very feminist of me. I'm I'm spending all my ally points that I built up earlier. It's not a thing. It's not a fucking thing. Okay. You don't have to say male feminist. It's like saying gay married. You're married. You're a feminist. Go on. As a feminist. Shut up. Um, it just it, <laughs> it seems like we're uh, the movie is like very much tipped in favor of Ben Affleck um, and you liking his character and you sympathizing with him and mostly because like um, I mean maybe it's my second watching of it when I knew he was innocent I just sort of felt like they were doing all these little these little beats to to make you sort of like like him mm-hmm. or maybe it's because he's a twin and that's it's easy to win me over if you write a twin character who's okay, actually like go. layered For- um and I, I will get to margot but it seems like you have something to say oh, i just wanted to say like it does like try and make you endear to his character but at the same time it doesn't shy away from the fact that he's not a good person mm-hmm. like he yeah. actually says that during the interview like just because I'm not a murderer doesn't mean that I'm uh, like I'm a good person. And right. you know, he cheats on his wife. He uh, he's not a good husband. Well, like when we do see how they act together, and at the very end of the movie, you know, he slams her up against that wall. Mm-hmm. Like, so he clearly has the anger and capacity to be physically harmful. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think I think one of the things that at least I got from it, especially from the second viewing, is that neither of them are good people. Right. Nobody's the good guy in this, and or good girl or good person. Like, just these are people. One of them's a sociopath. Right. The other one is, you know, more like his father than he wants to be, but is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, does want to find some normalcy. And if he's got to pretend, if he's got to act in order to find that normalcy, then 
by the end of the movie, like he's willing to do that. And uh, that's, that's kind of where we end up with it. Oh, yeah. So then they have a little press conference at home. She announces that they're pregnant for the TV in the neighborhood. Everybody goes wild. And then that shoots over to his, his conversation with Marco. Yeah. Of her realizing that they're going to stay together. Yeah. Margot, who I immediately, I love her character. Im- yeah, I, I immediately also identified her as the the female Martin Star, because she just has like these big expressive like eyes that are always rolling, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, just um, I liked her a lot, but I she's like pretty clearly like an audience surrogate. Like yeah. for the for, for the first half of the movie, it's like, why is this happening? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm totally cool and witty. Yeah. Or like she's always asking questions. Like her defining thing is like. She almost overdoes it a little bit because she's like the doubting, cynical, regular person in the midst of this outrageous plot. Um, But yeah, she's just pretty much always like cocking her head at everything um, to the point where like even at one point, like um, she's in way in the background. You can barely see her character, but she's cocking her head so hard that you can still see it from like 50 feet away. What happens is Nick and I want to say Amy's parents are at the police station. So then Amy's parents start to exit and and uh, Bone is like, hey, Nick, come with me. And you see Margo lean in, like, what the fuck is happening right now? I, I see. that's what you're talking All right. about. But yeah, she it's, cocked it's, her body, it's, not her head. It's kind of like a physical role, though, where yeah, she's yeah, always yeah. just sort of like, yeah. But yeah, I like her a lot because she's also, she's the sane, rational bedrock. Yeah. She's of, the only human character in this entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, she has a little bit of an independent life. Yeah. But yeah, she gets swept up in this whole thing. Like she's she almost stays clean, mm-hmm. but then at the very end she gets arrested and that never I guess that plot line gets dropped. Well, because because well, yeah. where she, where Amy hid everything is the yeah. shit at her house. Yeah. But so, they released her like immediately and it was never even addressed. Well, because Amy's alive. Amy yeah. came back, yeah. Okay. So the only reason she was arrested is because she thought she was a accomplice in the murder. Mm. But like, oh, no we're going to we're going to take we're going to max her credit cards and buy all this stuff. I think that's why she was arrested. You know, her and her brother worked together to kill yeah, the wife, yeah. but it didn't happen. So, if there's a live wife, and then they speculated your... then they then they speculated that the twins were having sex. Oh, that I was, was going to say, that do you want to get it, do you want to get onto the your I, I don't, twin soapbox? It, I don't have to. The movie speaks for itself. <laughs> um it was like that. It was like that with Social Network. I, I, I had the I had the Winkle Vi paraded yeah. in front of me as these stereotypical twins. Yeah. At least in this, you know, they they had distinct personalities somewhat, and they were, like, supportive without being, like, clones, Yeah, you know? I, I like their uh, interaction at the beginning of the movie, where he comes to the bar mm-hmm. to have that drink. And they metaphorically spin the game of life because yeah. everything is out of their control. Yeah. But they have a nice conversation where she, he shows up. He's obviously not in a good mood. She goes, like, all right, I'll fill the air. And she just starts start talking about stories, and he's like, I've already heard this one before. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like that's her. yeah. They they establish that they hang out and they enjoy each other's company. Yep, they own yeah. the bar together. Yep, they kind of they came closer when he moved back. And I wonder why she's and I guess she was in Missouri when their mother got she's sick. From Missouri, yeah, yeah. Okay. She lived there. She's so. There. Um, I think too that there's a lot of like it. It. I mean, it's not really said, but I feel like it's kind of read that there's a lot of resentment towards like Margot and like Nick's relationship with his family. Like, Amy doesn't, you know, she says, like, I feel like a, another pe- like a piece of luggage that he could just discard or something like that. Like, And that's, yeah, it, it makes you wonder, like, seeing as she's always sort of created her own identity and her own roles in each of these relationships, um, like, sort of becoming this, like, resentful, 
um, neglected uh, wife. Like, is that is that a story she wants to tell? And I mean, it was for a while, but then she's like, she wanted to grow beyond that, and she. I guess I don't know what has maybe she was always suicidal because she like I guess the thread that connects all of them is that like she has these really self-destructive tendencies that sort of mm-hmm. like she looks at herself in the abstract you know and I think like that's kind of the whole deal with uh, her being a, a character in her parents story she sort of she feels like she's this this non-entity <laughs> welcome to Nine Inch Nails everybody wow um, um, I'm gonna see if I have any more fun pull quotes. I feel like we're we're wrapping up here. Yeah, I just I just while you're looking for quotes, I was just gonna say that, uh, it, you know, you could look at this film and say to yourself, well, it's really harmful in the way that it shows women, but at the same time, we have good characters like Margot and the detective Bowman. Mm-hmm. And, and even though like even though she's doing all this shitty bullshit, like she's still like a very strong yeah. lead. Yeah, and it, and. And one of the reasons why the film and the book were as popular as they were is because if this had been a story told with the characters flipped, yeah, it wouldn't have the same impact. Right. You know, it'd just be a shitty guy who framed his wife for murder, and you know, it, it wouldn't be an interesting story. It would right. just be another another story about a shitty guy. Um, wow. So to have this interesting sociopathic woman mm-hmm. be the cornerstone for this story, I think that's why. It's as popular as it was. Yeah, and I, de- I definitely, like, you see all these these things that she's doing, and I don't think the movie is saying, hey, look how fun it is to pretend to be raped. Like, mm-hmm. we're not trying to glorify these things that are very harmful to women. Um, it still leaves me with a very bad taste in my yeah. mouth. It was one of the things I actually really hated about this film. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it put that kind of behavior on a pedestal. It yeah. did have the ending, though, where, like... We're just kind of like, well, guess everybody's just fucked then. Credits. But I like those better than if he would have been like, now let me uh, put you away for life because I can prove to you because he clearly can't. Yeah. You know? I think in the end, it's a story about stories. The stories we tell ourselves. The stories we tell each other. The stories we want told about us. Okay. I'm Ira Glass. <laughs> I was going to say, you're getting very creepy. <laughs> Um, I have one fun pull quote. Um, So the Rolling Stone interviewer is asking Trent Reznor, you've said that the score to Gone Girl was attempting to give you a hug. What do you mean by that? He laughs. It's very critical to sit with David and try to get try to get inside his head and translate what he's saying or feeling into an approach. Often there will be some sometimes cryptic clues that lead us down paths we may not initially take. In this case, David said, hey, this could be a bad idea, but... And most of his suggestions start with that disclaimer. But he mentioned that some of this movie deals with the concept of facades and appearances, whether it be to your spouse or to the public. I was getting my back adjusted, and when I was laying on the table, there was this sickly saccharine music that was intended to make you feel comfortable or to relax, like bird sounds, but done with an insincere callousness to it. And he said, maybe let's pursue an idea where we're trying to tell you either subconsciously or blatantly that everything is okay here. Because there are certain sections of the movie that go back and forth between Amy Dunn's perspective, painting a certain picture of events, and then reality. So that led to results that we couldn't come up with on our own. That's part of what's exciting about working with him. Mm. That was such a long quote that I couldn't do my dumb Trent voice for very long. I know, and then you started doing like weird sign language that I, you do, and it, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, th- I feel like that's a pretty solid thesis statement of both the music and the film. Yeah. Um, so Logan... No, stop. Oh, my God. Jesus. Um, so the- Jordan just looked at me like, I need to be somewhere in five minutes. 
<laughs> we can finish this if you gotta go. <laughs> no, no, no. If you, if you, if we were gonna get into like closing thoughts, I was just, I know what my closing statement's gonna okay. be. Okay. But if you wanna. Really quick. Yes, please. Um, so in a 2003, oh my god, wow, 2013 interview, um, some writer described the ending of the novel as polarizing and Flynn explained that she wanted the novel to counter the notion that women are naturally good and show that women are just as violently minded as men are. And then in a November 2014 interview, she admitted that the critical gender related response did affect her. And this is a quote from her. And this is Mm. probably anyway. She's like, I had about 24 hours where I hovered under my covers and was like, I killed feminism. Why did I do that? Rats. I did not mean to do that. Feminism is cancer. And then I very quickly kind of felt comfortable with what I had written. Uh, I love you. Don't ever fucking say that again. <laughs> Even in a joking voice. <laughs> it's just, ugh. My mother well, no. did not die of feminism. Yes, thank you. I wanted anyway, to do that joke very much. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's true. It just makes me so mad. Um, so... Her whole like I killed feminism. Yuck. Just yuck. Just stop. Just that's and that's such a thing where women are like, Hold on, let me make this entire thing about me. Feminism, fem yeah. like no, just own up to the fact that you wrote something that people don't like. Um, a male feminist there's, walked there's, into a bar. It. And because good- it was set so low. <laughs> um really quick though. Jezebel, what did I see about Jezebel? Or you finish your thought and I'm just no, gonna I was just gonna say that like there's there's good reasons to like this movie, and there's good reasons to not like it. Mm-hmm. Like, just like any other work written by a man or a woman, you know, it's it's not perfect. It's not inherently good. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, every piece is not fantastic. You can still watch this movie and enjoy it and have problems with the decisions of stories and characters and the way they're portrayed on screen. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's fine, you know? Yeah. Oh, here we go. So, um... Let's see. I just want to appreciate that thought that, Jeze- you, that you shared with us. Thank you for sharing that thought. Thank you for sharing Thank that you. thought. Jezebel's Jessica Cohen wrote, uh, movie Amy compa- pales in comparison to the vivid character we meet in the book. Strip away Amy's book complexities, and you're left with a little more than that crazy fucking bitch, in quotes. Uh, that makes her no less captivating, but it does make the film feel a lot more misogynistic than the novel. Uh, She concedes that this did not negate her enjoyment of the film, as we ladies are accustomed to these injustices. Yeah, definitely. My my social justice warrior spider senses are never wrong. It's like, I bet there's controversy about this! I mean, obviously there's controversy about this. If you have a a strong character who's claiming that somebody raped her and she didn't, like, that's uh, mm. that's a huge fucking problem. And... I mean, I'm not super bothered, I guess, by the fact that it happened in the movie, but that's partially and it ruined because, it ruined a man's career. <laughs> well, partially because I'm only so in the movies, that, only in the movies, guys. Stop interrupting me. Thank you. Um, I'm not super upset with the fact that that happened in the movie, but I'm really upset with the fact that they fucking joked about it in the bar when he's like, yeah, I just like saw you on TV, and I was like, oh, Amy, she graduated from playing rape to playing being murdered, or whatever. Like, that was just like... Yeah, I don't that know. Was, that it's was so sh- fucking that was smug. Like, yeah. you didn't need that. Um, but he is kind of saying what everyone's thinking. He is, but it, I just... I don't like the way the book is written... I don't. I mean, I don't like the way this the screenplay is written. I don't like the way the movie is written. Um, I think that 
telling a story with all these twists and turns could have been done much better. And that's why I like movies like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo so much better. Because, like, I think you can get this awesome murder mystery mm-hmm. without it having to be... I mean, but even in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, like, her character is still brutally raped. So, yeah, in the end, like... If like, how else are we going to entertain men except for be brutally raped? <clears throat> and that's yeah. been Trent Talk. Thank you for listening. I have one final question. What's that? Could Trent Reznor have played Nick Dunn? I don't think so. Think about it. It could have been great. Uh, I mean, it, it would have been. It would have been. I mean, we, they would have to would have write it. All of his lines. Yeah, they would have to write it to Trent's character. Yeah. No. I'm gonna go with yeah, that. he wouldn't have been able to be flippant, and that was one of like nah. his defining yeah. characteristics. Is he's going through this terrible situation, and he's still able to be a bit of a clown, flippant dickhead. But come on, like I always think of the back of her head. I picture cracking her lovely skull oh, and spooling. Yeah, Reznor definitely said that to himself as he was scoring the movie. Well, yeah, but over like every other line that Nick says. I would, I would say no. But I mean, there's so many scenes of Nick Dunn just brooding and brooding and brooding and petting a cat and brooding. Oh yes, he is, the he cat. Is Bruce Wayne. The cat. I love that. No matter what's going on, like Margot's angrily storming out of the house, but she just stops for a second and touches the cat. Like I love that everybody's just like, oh hey. Fine. Yeah, it's this weird yeah. focal point in the yeah. movie where uh, who was he? No, he's he has the cops going around, and they open the door, and the cat's laying on the bed, mm-hmm. and then he goes to Kluger, and he's stay. Mm-hmm. He closes the door. And the I'm cat like, is Aw. actually narrating the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. The cat's the only one who knows the truth. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. It. That that is. Oh my god. No, that is actually a really good yeah. filmic note. Is yeah. like the, the cat. cat probably like saw you know. Yeah, for sure. Saw Amy spilling blood on the floor and doing all that crazy shit, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's like. The cat is kind of us in a way, like witnessing all these things, and we can't, we can't tell, we can't scream we into the, the movie. Cat. Yeah, one of the many movies that would be undone if we could speak to animals. Um, Doctor Doolittle, pet detective, write it. So, uh, my closing thought was just to bring the the music back into it. Mm. Um, at the very, why do that? Movie, this isn't a, this is a movie podcast. When, when he has the mirrored lines of of talking about what she's thinking and everything, we have that intro song. Mm-hmm. And at the very beginning, it is hopeful, and it's trying to trying to be complacent. It's trying to make you, uh, you know, disrupt your idea of like, yeah, I know I'm about to watch a murder mystery, but what is this relationship? And she kind of looks up at him and smiles, and it's it's this kind of nice music, but there is a very slight undertone of uneasiness, right? Mm-hmm. When the movie closes out, the two components of that song inverse, and we know the relationship that these two people have. We know where they're ending up and kind of how screwed up everything is. So at the very end of the movie, we have those sweet notes still in the song. Yeah. That uneasiness is now overlapping that. And mm. that we realize, at least I did when I watched the movie last week, is that uneasy note is actually the same note that you would hear in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the closing musical note that we end the film on is seeing, attention key yeah is seeing her look up at him his dialogue and then this this discordant horrific note of an otherwise what we thought was a sweet song mm-hmm. wow so I, I really like that wow 
There's yeah. a, there's a lot of ghosts in this as well, right? Like there was some well, stuff. There was some stuff point, that was straight uplifted from ghosts. Yeah, there was like no real music uh, well, yeah. in the whole film, and and he did a way better job in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Like the music. Uh, I, in that I just want to watch it again now. Just like totally had me on yeah. the edge of my seat and really really uh, got on that whole like neo noir like murder mystery and the, but as soon as you find out that this is a murder mystery with no murder right. except for the murder she does later uh like it just loses that yeah it's just background noise and that kind of bummed me out but i still like i said he still appropriately uh adds music to each scene but it's almost not necessary right and that's why this wasn't on sale because mm-hmm. no one would have bought it it's no, just yeah. it's background noise it's, yeah it's real scoring. Yeah, it's it, there's a difference between a score and a soundtrack. This is a score, yeah, which is cool. why it is not even a null. It's right. right. It's not yeah, even yeah, it, yeah. it's not in the halo verse. It's not in the nulliverse. It's yeah. Why are we even talking about it? Because it's content and we miss Jordan. Yeah. Well, you guys are going to see me this weekend too. So. Yeah. Oh, tight. Uh, hey, Whoopi Cat coming up. Sunday. What month is Sunday. it? May 30th. Ju- April. Wow, it's April. I don't I don't know Hi. what's going on. It is April, uh, and in the year 2017. Yeah, if hey guys and girls and neither uh, those both, of you who have yet to make up your you, mind. Hey, I know it's from kink, it's from Kinky Boots. Oh okay. Oh okay. 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 If you're quoting a thing, I'm okay. When we talk about something so heavy, like any jokes about gender, I all of a sudden can't fucking deal with. So I apologize. Um, if you're in Los Angeles this Sunday. April 30th, why don't you come down to the Theater of Note on Cahoanga Boulevard at 9.30. Tickets and are $5 at the door. $5. We have beer, we have wine, we have snacks, we have laughs, we have... Support local theater. Yeah. I had fun. a fantastic time last time. Thank I'm looking you. Forward to- and that was my second favorite show. We've done two. I liked the first one better. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, our second... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're getting ready to outdo ourselves. Though. We got great talent lined up. Come on down! Yeah. Well, we always have good talent. It's just like, can we perform? That's... Yeah. That's I kept forgetting my stuff. I just... I got so nervous. I get so You're going to do that feminism is cancer joke. No, I don't want to ever say those... I don't want to hear or say or read those... Like, it's not funny to me. That's not a joke. But, that was a real statement that was... Okay, we were at a march and somebody had a sign that said feminism is cancer. But that's funny because... It's not funny. Though. All right, right. It's not funny. It's, it's not funny. There's a difference between making like, like what was the dead mom joke that we made? Oh, the other day. Do you um, ever get so high? No, 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 no. Okay. No. The other day there was a bug on the window. My mother was an entomologist and I was like, oh, blah, 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 bugs. And then Shia's like, oh, you're the bug person. And I was like, no, that was my mom. She was the bug person. And then Shia said, and uh, what does she do now? And I was like, well, now she is bugs. That's funny. That's a funny dead mom joke. That is a dead mom joke that I accept. She's also been dead for like 19 years. Yeah, no, no, years. I get it. So, like, I can joke about it. But, like, feminism is cancer, like, makes me so fucking angry on every level. Like, when I wrote, like, my mother ow, didn't ow, die of cancer. Stop hitting me, Claire. Stop it. I'm sorry. No. When I, like, like, I just, I don't know why you can't drop it. Can we never speak of this again? <laughs> well, no, I thought it was a really good bit, but you're It's you're not right. a bit, though. To me, it's, it's not a bit. Yeah, exactly. It's very serious and it's very, because just the notion that people carry a sign that says that. To a woman's march, like fucking die. Oh, Go yeah. walk out on the one ten and fucking die. No, we almost we almost it's jumped okay. that guy. It's yeah. not acceptable. No, we were like gonna. No, I was walking towards him and he <laughs> no, walked away. We <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. I'm half his size, but it would have involved like my hands on his face as his face met the ground and whatever else. Like, I are fucking, you picturing I his less people. than lovely skull? 
Anyway. And his red hat. Jesus fucking Christ. Unspooling it. Anyway. And it's Chinese threads. Can we... Jordan really needs to go. So, yes. Jordan, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, I'm at TrueValk on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't do that many podcasts anymore because mm-hmm. I don't but. watch movies every week. So, the whole format of Nerd's Eye View is kind of null and void. Yeah. So, as soon as I figure out how to retrofit that into something that is, is sustainable, mm-hmm. I will pick that back up. But mm-hmm. I will be on the Extra Damage cast this week talking Yay. about video games. Nice. Yeah. So, you, you can find me there. That's a good there. one. We've yeah. had um, Jesse. I'm really bad mm-hmm. with names. Yeah, we've had Jesse on our show. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's very nice. They're both wonderful Very gentlemen. cool. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I mean, if you want to just shoot me with your Logan talk for a second oh, how yeah. does wood beat adamantium oh jesus at the end spoiler alert spoiler alert oh yeah yo what the fuck <laughs> well let's give our okay really quick find me at c-l-a-r-e-w-l-f that's three e's claire wolf i'm everywhere on that um shia shia carey isn't it hard to do isn't it hard i fucked it up so many times it's my name um, and you can find all of us at Trent Talk Pod. Every, everything that we're at is at Trent Talk Pod. BenViewNetwork.com slash Trent Talk Pod. Um, I got a cool email from Ravi Corey that contained a clip that we're going to put in the next show. It's really fucking funny. Cool email. Um, and thank you, Robbie, for always being there and emailing us slash me. I'm the only one who checks it. Um, email us, TrentTalkPod at gmail.com. And anything else? Okay. Nine inch. Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) Bye. Also, sorry for yelling at you. Me? Yeah. I I yelled at you. I accept your apology. For interrupting me all the time. I'm sorry for interrupting. And I'm sorry for yelling at you about the cancer joke. You thought it was funny, and I know that you thought it was funny, and I understand why. No, it's, I mean, no no one will ever own your grief but you. I know. And I, I understand that. I just, for the listener, for the record, I'm sorry for yelling at you twice. Okay, bye. 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 Logan. Logan, talk about Logan really quick. How did so you're, he? You're just upset about the wood going well, through his chest. No, I mean, okay. There's many, many layers to what's up with Logan. So, are you aware of the graphic novel Old Man Logan? Yeah. And are you aware how excited I was when I thought they were making yeah, an Old Man Logan that's, that's movie? Kind of tough to do though. Yeah. Well, because Especially Old Man to Logan make it is fit like fit in with with the current. But timeline. it's like, yeah, that's yeah. They had to fit it into the the um, what do they call it? The MCU mm-hmm. or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, yeah, the they can't. Cinematic. But the thing is, like, the, what's great about the premise of Wolverine being immortal is that you can take it like all the way, like you know, the way Alan Moore did with like Miracle Man, or right. you take it all, you explore the full concept. Where like, okay, now it's like a hundred years in the future. Every other superhero is dead. Mm-hmm. In Old Man Logan. Um, well, and in the movie. That's that's what that's what he keeps talking about. No, that's exactly the incident that Charles is talking about when he says he did a terrible thing. Uh, he I, actually killed yeah. all the other... So, so uh, during that incident, uh, I think... I forget where they were, but it was all the mutants kind of meeting up. And uh, Charles, because of, I guess, his dementia or whatever he's going through, mm-hmm. is losing, con- losing yeah. control. And he killed every other mutant. And, and the this only is... reason Logan can withstand it is because the thing that's poisoning him, the antimantium all over his body, is actually protecting his mind because it's on his skull. Mm. So, you know how, what's his name, uh, Juggernaut had that cap, yeah. which was how he was able to avoid it. Uh, the mind Don't powers you know who from... he is? He's a Juggernaut, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was the only reason Logan wasn't killed and could withstand it. Yeah. 
No, that's all good. I okay, mean, and I like, guess. But how does the wood get through <laughs> his ribs and through his spine and all that other? He stuff? Fall, he falls on an old tree. He, fall. he falls on an old Listen, tree. He doesn't fall. Other Wolverine shoves him. He fell on an old tree. This dude who is like the strongest thing ever in this movie threw him onto it. His head blew up pretty good. Right? I I mean, this is terrible, but like I I kind of you know how squibs are super fascinating? For me, like cinematic headshots are super fascinating. No, they did a good job with the effects in the film. Um but yeah, just like I thought Wolverine maybe deserved a more heroic death. Um, I thought Professor X probably deserved a more heroic death, but that's the thing is like the movie sort of like is the death of heroism, not just the death of heroes. It's like this is an age where, you know, these kids are going to have to fend for themselves. And like the the idea of heroes can really help them. But the reality of that the lives that these heroes live is actually much sadder and, mm-hmm. and ultimately hollow and unsatisfying. Yeah. Reality um, versus comic book. Yeah. Which is which is something they discuss in the film. Yeah, so that's they can also cover all weird. their tracks because every other fucking X Men movie has been a pile of dog shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, one of the cool things about um, Old Man Logan, this is cool. Turn up a little bit. No, I'm turning it down. Oh wait, yeah, this is her killing the guy. Mm-hmm. We should turn that up. Okay. Oh yeah, when when she slits Desi's. Wow. Um, so yeah, in Old Man Logan, it's not just uh, all the mutants who are dead. It's like Thor died, uh, which seemed impossible. But Thor's dead. Iron Man's mm-hmm. dead. Um, everybody's dead um, because they got involved in like these apocalyptic struggles with each other. Uh, but that can't happen because it's a Fox property and not a Disney property. So yeah. there are only mutants. Um, yep. So yeah, not not any potential. Yeah, sorry. Also, that would be kind of that would be a real bummer of like the only time there's a crossover between Fox and and Disney Marvel is oh yeah you're dead and bye. But yeah, it's just like it's they take these things to like the biggest possible conclusion, and it's like that. I, I like really really big concepts in comic books because that's that's what makes a comic book comic book is like it does things that you can only do in a comic book. Oh my god. Okay, are we done talking about Logan? Please, 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 please. How does please, that? How does would be that? Please. It was a good movie. It was. I liked it a lot. I found it fucking exhausting, and I'm glad it's fucking over. I'm glad the whole goddamn thing is over. I, I'm glad that Wolverine will not have to save all the children like a seventeenth time. <laughs> he he's like he's the reluctant saver of children. That is that is his character. Okay, thank you for listening. All they ever wanted. What's beyond the Thunderdome? That was a joke for no one. That was a joke for no one. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.